Welcome to the First Pres Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.20, 9.45, and 11.10. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Our current movement sermon series encourages us to not settle for less than God's best for us by simply seeking to be comfortable in our lives. We are most fully alive and living out God's purpose when there is movement, when there is spiritual growth going on in our lives. At the same time, Christ's followers are part of his larger movement, moving out into the world bringing to others the gifts and the good news that God has given to us. Here at First Pres, we want to be a church on the move. But it takes movement from each of us for the church to be able to have that same movement. And so let's look at today's movement in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 8. The Apostle Paul writes these words, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Now this is our boast Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you with integrity and godly sincerity. We have done so relying not on worldly wisdom but on God's grace. For we do not write you anything you cannot read or understand. And I hope that as you have understood us in part, you will come to understand fully that you can boast of us just as we will boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. Oh, holy God, as we are here to worship you again today, we come again to that moment when we sit at your feet, when we long to hear a word from you that will speak into our lives, that that will be a catalyst for movement within us. And Lord, we know that you long even more to speak that word to us. And so we pray once again today that you would give us ears to hear, that you would give us eyes to see, and that you would give us hearts that would be responsive to what you desire to speak to us through your Holy Spirit in this time. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. The story is told of a young boy who went to Sunday school, and on that particular week, they they learned about how the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. 
And afterwards, the boy's mom asked him, well, what did you learn in Sunday school today? And he said, well, we learned about how the Israelites escaped from the Egyptians, but Pharaoh and his army came fast after them. And the Israelites got to the Red Sea, but they couldn't cross it. And Pharaoh and his army were getting closer. So Moses got on his walkie-talkie, and the Israeli Air Force bombed the Egyptians, and the Israeli Navy built a pontoon bridge that they could cross the Red Sea on, and his mom was horrified. She said, is that really what they taught you in Sunday school? He said, well... No, but if I told you what they taught us, you wouldn't believe it. (laughs) But today's passage brings us to another moment where dramatic deliverance is necessary. Paul is in such a bad place that he and his companions have been driven to despair. Now remember, this is Paul, who always comes across so confident and so competent And yet he writes here that we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. The Greek suggests here that there was utterly no way of escape for them. It's like when we watch a movie and the hero has so much going against him, we wonder how things could possibly ever get better. But in this instance, the difference was God. And God rescued Paul and his companions, and he moved them to a better place. And this experience leads Paul to triumphantly exclaim, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. These words are a helpful reminder for us. For in the same way that strong winds blew earlier this week, there are times when it can feel like life is blowing hard on us. We live in a sinful, fallen world that can exert great pressure perhaps even beyond our ability to endure. And like Paul, there may be moments when we find ourselves in places of despair, wondering if things could really ever get better. Jesus acknowledged what we are up against when he said, in this world, you will have trouble. But then he went on to declare, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And the good news is that intrinsic in God's character is a desire to save his people, to deliver his people, to move us from places of captivity and oppression towards the abundant life that he promises And we are reminded of this desire in our Isaiah passage we heard a few moments ago to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. And nowhere is this more clear than on the cross when God provided the greatest deliverance we could ever hope for. 
Sin separated us from God, preventing us from fully experiencing the relationship with him we were created for. Death put an end to life with no hope of anything more after it did its work. But when Jesus gave his life on the cross for us, God delivered us from sin and death's power over us. And since that day, God continues to deliver his people from circumstances that can choke our lives. We affirmed this just moments ago when we sang of God as our strong deliverer. And so this promise of God's deliverance is wonderfully good news for us and for this hurting, broken world in which we live. But before we go any further, let's also be honest. Because there are places, sometimes even seasons, when we long for God's deliverance, but nothing seems to change. I think of those here whose bodies and even minds are bound by illness, who have cried out for deliverance for years. Others who have prayed to be freed from habits or addictions that continue to ensnare them. Some may long to be delivered from hurtful, broken relationships caused by conflict, dysfunction, or even abuse. And there may be a need for deliverance from from financial scarcity or debt, or from fears or anxieties that can paralyze us within. Make no mistake, if you are not waiting for deliverance from God in something, you probably know someone who is. And so what are we to do with this promise from Paul when we don't see it playing out in our lives in the moment? When we hear a promise like this that doesn't seem consistent with our current experience, one of two things can happen. We can wonder what's wrong with us, that we are not experiencing God's power in ways that others are. Or we can wonder what's wrong with God. And promises of scripture may ring hollow to us. Friends, when it comes to God's deliverance in our lives, it's important that we realize there are two movements at work. One is God's movement into our circumstances to redeem them, to free us from what holds us captive. And this is the movement that we are so often looking for, perhaps wondering why we haven't yet experienced it. But there is also our movement towards God. How we hold fast to him even as we await his deliverance. And maybe one reason why God doesn't often provide immediate deliverance 
is because he knows that if he did, we might be tempted to skip this second movement. More than simply seeking God's help to run away from a hard place, he wants us to also run to him. And so this morning, let's consider this movement towards God as we are awaiting his deliverance in our lives. And to look at four actions that contribute to this movement. Number one, to remember. To remember previous deliverance in our lives that God has brought about. Because our perspective of God's deliverance tends to be shaped primarily by whatever we are facing in the moment. And even though our current circumstances are are only one part of God's bigger story of deliverance he is writing, in those moments, that becomes the story. And so one of the best things that we can do now and again is to take time to reflect upon previous moments when God has delivered us. Those times in the past when our feet were knocked out from underneath us and God met us there and he moved us to a better place. Paul's remembering shaped his confidence in God's future deliverance. He writes, he has delivered us and he will deliver us and he links those together. Remembering God's faithfulness in our past anchors our confidence in what he will yet do in our lives. Second, to hope. To hope that God will deliver us even when we can't yet see it as reality. You know, in today's society, we are used to making things happen right now now but when we have to wait weeks months even years for God's deliverance that we don't yet see we can give up on the possibility and then just settle for things the way they are rather than putting our faith at greater risk by hoping in what God can yet do. The Bible describes seasons of captivity that were agonizingly long, years, decades, even centuries. And what kept God's people going was their hope in his love and his faithfulness that there would come a day when he would yet act. Paul reinforces this role of hope in his words when he says, on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Unresolved places of pain and captivity can tempt us to look away from God. But hope keeps us looking to God. And so continue asking God for deliverance even if you have not yet seen it. 
and hope that he will act in your life and in your circumstances. And then third, trust in God's deliverance even when it looks different than what we are asking for. Paul himself is exhibit A for this. Later in this same letter, he he tells the Corinthians and us that he had a horrible experience he only refers to as a thorn in the flesh. And he tells us that he pleaded with God, not once, not twice, but three times to take it away. Now, if God would answer anyone's prayers, you would think it would have been Paul's. And yet, God did not deliver Paul in the way that he asked. But interestingly, if you were to read Paul's description of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we find a sense that that Paul considered the response that he did get from God of even greater value than what he had asked for. Paul's source of confidence in today's passage is God who raises the dead. He is referring to to God's resurrection of Jesus. But remember, this was a different deliverance than what the people were looking for in that time. But God knew what they needed. And so would we trust that God may deliver us in ways beyond what we are looking or asking for? And then fourth, find strength in community while waiting for God's deliverance. It is hard to put our faith on the line to ask for God's deliverance when we're not sure when or even how we might experience it. And that's why we need the encouragement, the perspective, and the words of hope from our faith community around us. You know, if you go back and read verses 8 through 11 of today's passage, you will not find the word I or me once what you will find are the words us and we and are 15 times in these four verses. And Paul refers beautifully in verse 11 to the importance and the blessing of Christian community when he says, you help us by your prayers. Community is always important. But that's particularly true when we are between praying for and experiencing God's deliverance in our lives. My first 11 years here at First Prez, I was privileged to be a part of our divorce recovery workshop. And during those years, I saw thousands of people come into our church trying to pick up the pieces from an event that they didn't want to have happened and they, in some cases, didn't even see it happening. And during the seven weeks of this workshop, I saw two beautiful things happen. 
The first is I got to witness firsthand God's healing touch from week one to week seven as people began to find a hope for their future and they began to get their feet under them and began to deal with some of the the emotions that they had had when they entered in and they were experiencing God's deliverance out of and into a new life for them. The second beautiful thing I saw was at the end of each workshop, participants who had not wanted this experience in their life, maybe hadn't even wanted to come to this workshop at some point, some of them would turn around and they would want to be leaders in the next workshop. And it was beautiful to see people who took an event that was so painful that was so tragic, that was not what they wanted, and want to walk alongside others who were going through the same thing they had experienced to offer words of hope to them that they had experienced in their own lives. And this reminds us of another movement when it comes to deliverance, a movement outward to others who are also captive and also hurting. For our places of pain and limitation, hard as they are, can provide a bridge to others who are also struggling in similar areas. And they will relate less to our saintliness or to our success than they will our seasons of hardship and God's deliverance in them. For the latter enables them to see their own story of weakness and pain in our story and to find the hope and the strength that we have found in our God. Saddleback pastor Rick Warren once wrote, the very experience you regret or resent most in your life may be the very thing that God wants to use as your ministry to help and encourage others. God doesn't just use our strengths. He uses our weaknesses and even failures too. And so look for those around you who may be struggling with pain or with loss that you have experienced in your life and be willing to walk with them and to share your own story in a way that points to God's deliverance in your life and the possibility for them. Remember and celebrate regularly God's track record of deliverance in your life. Hope that you will experience deliverance that you haven't yet seen and continue asking God for it. Trust that God is at work to deliver you even if it might look different than what you are asking for. And place yourself in community that can strengthen and encourage you as you await God's deliverance in your life. And in the midst of all of these things, look around 
for others in captivity and hopelessness and allow the good news of what God has done and is doing in you to become words of hope and words of possibility for them. Let's pray together. Oh, holy God, what an incredible promise this morning that you are a God of deliverance and how we thank you for the deliverance you have brought for us on the cross. Thank you for those moments in the past when you have delivered us. Lord, please walk with us during these seasons now or perhaps even in the future when we long to be delivered but have not yet experienced it. And be for us what we need of you in those moments as we continue to move to you. And Lord, give us eyes. Give us eyes to look even beyond ourselves to see others around us that you have placed around us that we can encourage, that we can give hope to, that we can point to you by sharing our own stories of how you met us in hard places and what you have done in our lives. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for this incredible promise of deliverance. May we live well into it. May we wait well for it. May we share this news with the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at first-prez.org.